You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dat am. Well, happy Wednesday. It's uh, nice to speak with you. It's nice to see you again. I do hope you're doing well. You know, as um, as the season rolls on, there's going to be little blips of, of time where things are quite interesting, and then there's going to be little uh, quiet times. And until we get some news, we're kind of in a little bit of a quiet time. Now, tomorrow is NFL Honors. NFL Honors is like, uh, you know, well, I don't know. I've never actually watched it, but it, it my impression of it is it's kind of like the, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, whatever you call it, where people win awards and then they, you know, give speeches, et cetera, et cetera. The point is, there's a very, very good chance Aaron Rodgers is going to be winning MVP. As a result of that, he's going to be giving a speech. And last year is when he announced that he was engaged, and that was kind of a big deal. The rumor now is that uh, the wedding has been called off. That's not really relevant, but the point is, it's possible he's going to use this time as um, a time to at least drop a few hints, if not subtly announce in, in, in similar fashion to how he announced he was engaged, which is very cavalier, very, um, you know, just kind of slipping it in there. Like, oh, I had a great off season. I got engaged. I did it. It's like, I do a what? You know, if he just kind of signs off with something to the effect of looking forward to running it back next year, you know what I mean? I'm just saying it feels like a Rogers thing to do. And it is getting to be about that time that Rogers said he would be making his announcement. Just something to think about. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting my hopes up for nothing. Maybe he's going to retire tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe he's just going to accept the award and make some, uh, take some jabs at the media, and then we're just going to get into an absolute death spiral of news. Just, just poking the bear. He's going to thank Joe Rogan, you know, in his speech. I probably should watch it, but it starts at 8 o'clock at night, um, which is when I generally like to go to bed. And I'm sure they're not going to get to the good stuff until the end. So it's going to be a lot of nonsense. Keegan Michael Michael Key is going to be hosting. Not saying he's nonsense. That was just two bits of information that were smashed together a little too close. But anyways, again, just just throwing it out there. As for today, though, um, a lot of kind of random, very different bits of information. I do want to start off with this though. Um, Charles Woodson was on Good Morning Football kind of gave his impression on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. And so I figure I might as well play that for you. So here you go. <laughs> what do you think he's going right. to do, Charles? And what what would you like to see him do? Man, honestly, man, um, you know, from, from I guess from a fan standpoint and someone who's played with the Packers and, of course, organizationally, I think that, you know, you would want to see Aaron Rodgers back because – we know how this league is, man. If you have a quarterback, you know, you you have a, a shot. You look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl now, you know, they all have uh, great quarterbacks. But I'm just looking at the situation, and, and if, if I'm putting on my, my GM hat, you know, and I'm saying, hey, what are we going to do this next season? And I look at the roster that we have, you know what? I'm thinking about trading Aaron Rodgers and see what I can get in, to, get in, get in return for him. Maybe I can get 
uh, a quarterback that can help kind of steady my quarterback room and get some comp- competition for Jordan Love. Uh, I'm telling LaFleur, hey, Jordan Love does not leave the building. This out this offseason, we're going to get him prepared to play. Because when I look at the team and this defense and the way that defense performed, they have a good team. And so they know that they'll be able to go into the next season being able to be solid on that side of the ball and then let the offense catch up um, throughout the season. So, um, and then also it'll help out, you know, in their, their cap situation. So if I'm, I'm Packers, you, you flirted with it a little bit last, last offseason, you know, life without Aaron Rodgers. You know, now you're really thinking about the future. So I, I'm thinking about trading Aaron Rodgers this offseason if I can. So first of all, I just want to say that I absolutely respect the fact that a lot of these guys are willing to um, be honest about these kinds of things. You know, um, you always feel like because Aaron Rodgers and Charles Woodson are real good friends, the automatic response has to be, well, they'd be ridiculous to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. He's the greatest. They should give Aaron Rodgers whatever he wants. They don't have a chance without Rodgers. I always respect when guys who are friends of Rodgers just give their honest opinion. You know, love Aaron Rodgers. I'd love to have him back. But if I'm the GM, I'm trading him. And it's great, too, because when it's the GM making decisions that, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like, fans jump all over it. Like, how dare you? As though they're just anti-Rodgers, you know? But here you got a guy who's clearly not anti-Rodgers in any capacity whatsoever. Just saying, I think the logical path is to move on. Now, again, I have to put in this caveat as a reminder. He didn't say, here's what I think they're going to do. He said, here is what I would do, and I completely understand it. I get both sides of that argument. I'm not really sure what the right thing is. I'd like to know what the the compensation package for Aaron Rodgers in is. Um, I do think, um, man... I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where I would stand if it was up to me. I know I'm 100% on the side of I think their goal is to bring him back, and I think Aaron Rodgers will come back, and I don't think he's going to have much better options than the Packers. So I think they're going to come to an agreement. And as I've said, I think there is a, a, a general deal on the table that Rodgers has looked at and, and, again, generally has agreed to. I think that has a lot to do with why Rodgers has been at peace recently. Maybe this whole Shailene thing has something to do with that as well. I don't know. But I just feel like Rodgers is at peace because he knows he is in control of his destiny. He has, on one hand, an offer from the Packers he's willing to accept. If he doesn't want that, he knows he can ask for a trade and they will trade him because they've already shaken hands on that. And he knows that if he decides to retire, he can retire and is in complete control of that situation. So Rodgers now has what he's always wanted, which is control of his own destiny, and that's why he is now seemingly a much happier person who is madly in love with football as well as the Green Bay Packers. So I just don't want anybody running with this saying, Charles Woodson said he thinks the Packers are going to trade him, and Charles Woodson's much closer to everybody than everybody else, so he would know better than, than you know this dummy with a podcast. He didn't say, I think. He said, I would. If I was the GM, I would trade him. And again, I don't have an issue with that. I have an issue with, with people who argue that from a standpoint of, you know, what's the point? We can't win with Rodgers because I think that's flawed thinking. But I, I do think I understand what a lot of people have said, which is more or less, we have a window here to make a transition. And if we acknowledge that, you know, let's just say our options are maybe two more years of Rodgers, assuming he even wants to play that long. I mean, if he's really contemplating retirement today, do you think he's, he's really thinking maybe I'll retire, but also maybe I'll play five, six more years? 
Or is it going to be one or two more years of losing? And he's like, you know what? Forget this. And I don't mean that to be pessimistic, but again, the odds are not in your favor that you're going to win the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl and it's very difficult, et cetera, et cetera. And then you look at it from the other perspective and say, we've got a window here. We've got a window where Jordan Love is here. Jordan Love is relatively cheap. Jordan Love is extremely young. We have a window with a lot of our own players. You know, we, we have young players today, but in two, three years, four years, some of these guys are not really young anymore. I mean, as I said, Aaron Jones is probably here for just one more year. We've got, you know, Elton Jenkins' contract is about to explode. And, you know, I mean, all these guys that are, that are not being paid yet are going to get paid. Rashawn Gary, can you even freaking imagine what that guy is going to get paid? If he continues, again, what he's been doing, and if his sack numbers can start to reflect a little bit more what his pressure numbers are, and he starts getting 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 sacks, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying if that does happen, what kind of a contract is he going to get? So we have a window here to make a transition to get all this bad money off the books so that in a couple years when all these guys' contracts go through the roof, we've got a cheap quarterback. Because even when his contract comes up, he's probably not going to be Aaron Rodgers in year one or even year two. So you're probably not going to pay him $40 million a year or whatever the going rate is at the time. We've also got a window where you've got a guy who wants to keep playing and has gone back-to-back MVPs. His value is not going to go up from here. Every year he gets older, his value goes down. So, you know, I mean, it, it, if your goal is to make a transition, you, you might as well do it now. My whole thing with bringing Aaron Rodgers back is based on an assumption that he's going to be around for a while. He's, he's going the Tom Brady plan. I'm not doing this for one or two years. No chance in the world. If, that's the, if, if this plan is for two or, or less years, three is kind of, I don't know, I guess we'll do it for three. But if this plan is, even if the, if the contract is structured in any kind of way where he's only here for two years, nope, he's gone. I'm sorry, not doing it. We're moving on. Bare minimum, he's committing to three years. And that's sort of the issue with the, the general question of, do you think Aaron Rodgers should come back? Well, it really depends on a lot of different factors. Coming back in what capacity? What is the contract being offered? If it's, let's run it back one more year, I don't think I want that. There's nothing left to determine, right? What, what, why are we doing these one-year prove-it deal? He's proven it. Do you want him back long-term or not? This is it. This is the end of the road. No more. No more dancing around the issue. He's committed long-term or he's gone. And that's commitment from the team and Aaron Rodgers. Just so you know, if you sign here, this is not some short-term little deal. We're moving on and we're building and, this, and, and be completely transparent. This is the direction we're going. You know, if you want to if you want to lean more on building the offensive line and running the ball more, which I'm not sure that's going to happen, but if that's something you'd like to do, tell them. You know, we want to move toward this direction and you're going to be at the helm of this team, which is our vision. Are you okay with all that? By the way, this contract is good for 3 years. In 2 years, we're looking at quarterbacks. I don't want to hear a freaking word out of your mouth. No temper tantrums, no nonsense. You're 500 years old. You're getting older. We're going to explore the topic. I'm not saying for sure we're going to draft a quarterback, but we have to start acknowledging the need. You are not going to be here forever. That is our cross to bear. We have to figure that out. That is my job to figure that out. Just like right now, I need to figure out quarterback, and my determination is you're the guy. Unless you and Elon Musk are working on some kind of a, you know, gene therapy where you can reverse age, I don't want to hear it. Mind your own freaking business. Let me build the roster. You go play football. Just in general. 
I'm going to put that in the contract, even though it may not even be enforceable or make any sense. Part of the contract is you have to shut your mouth about the rest of the roster. You can come talk to me privately in my office about a couple things that you think or you feel or whatever, but then you get out of my office and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any more about bringing your friends back. Randall Cobb was a disaster. It was a terrible idea. It brought us nothing. You have really bad ideas. You don't like when we cut bad players. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Don't care that you liked Jeff Janis. He was a bad wide receiver. I don't care that Randall Cobb is your friend. You don't touch this roster because you suck at it. You're a great quarterback and a garbage GM. So you come back and I'm going to I'm going to absolve you of GM duties. So you can just relax and focus on football, the thing you do best. It's going to be great. But that's your job and that's all I want to hear from you. And if I decide that we're going to draft nothing but defense for your entire time being here, I don't want to hear a word about it because I'm going to do what I want to do. If I draft corners and defensive tackles and safety and maybe like an, a random offensive lineman slash tight end, and I'm not getting you that early round wide receiver, guess what? Don't want to hear it. In fact, I might even do that just for fun, just to test this. I'm just going to test it out. The first year, no wide receivers. Just to completely mess with you. And then we're going to go out in free agency and get a bunch of mediocre guys for really low prices. They're going to be fine, but not great. And I don't want to hear a word. I don't want to hear it. You're not the GM. So... Again, what do I think they're going to do? I think they're going to bring back Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers will agree to that. What do I think they should do? Really depends on on the factor. I think I'm leaning toward bring him back long term, which is because I'm I'm only interested in long term. I'm not interested in anything short term. I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot left in the tank. He's had back-to-back MVP years. Even if he starts to decline this year, that's fine. He's still going to be good enough for the next three years to be a competent team. I mean, do you think he's going to drop below Matthew Stafford over the next three years? I doubt that. You know, the guy that's in the Super Bowl this week. No, he's not going to drop below Matt Stafford. I don't even think he's going to, well, no, that's a stupid sentence. Never mind. He's not going to drop below Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, got into the playoffs and beat the Green Bay Packers. Well, he didn't. Well, good. Who cares? Point still stands. The team was good enough. Do I have concerns that Aaron Rodgers is going to be so bad that it was a bad decision to bring him back for three or four years? No, I don't. But, but understand when I say that I think I want him back, and I can be easily persuaded otherwise, what I'm saying is I want him back long term, which by the way, the only way that this works financially in my mind is if this is relatively long term anyways. There's too much money involved if it's a short-term deal. Unless, of course, you're just talking about a short-term deal with a bunch of void years, which just, let me just smash my head into a brick wall real quick. Stop it. Stop it. Don't, don't do that. The other thing that I would like to do through this is to, we're not doing this all-in nonsense anymore. We tried that because we thought he was going to be gone. We're done with all the void year garbage. The other goal is to clean up our salary cap and to get back to doing what we used to do, which is draft and develop. Clean up the salary cap. Extend Aaron Rodgers. Structure it in a way that is at least somewhat similar to the way that you would otherwise. I understand that's going to be hard to do because it's such a disaster as it is. And so you've got a bunch of just garbage money in there that you're going to have to push around and it's going to be tough. So his contract is going to be a mess no matter what, and we're not going to get out of that until after, you know, a year or so after he's gone. But we can clean up the rest of it. We can be out of Zadarius Smith's mess. We can be out a lot of, uh, of a lot of these guys' mess. And for a lot of these guys, I think what we need to do is, again, either cut them and we'll get out of this mess, you know, this year. So next year, we're, we're clean slating it. 
we're back to the 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 old days of 10 to 20 million dollars in cap space every year which is what we usually always had which is still going to be tough because when you have a lot of talented guys on the roster right when you when you have a guy like Jair when you have a guy by the way Kenny Clark David Bakhtiari Rashawn Gary Elton Jenkins all these guys are going to be getting really big contracts it's hard to have a good salary cap so it's hard enough just based on how much talent we have much less if we're doing stupid stuff like void years. So all the fun stuff that we were doing, all this sort of all-in, like we're going real serious. Nope, that's the other thing I'm telling Aaron Rodgers. By the way, we tried the all-in stuff. We tried to the, the whole let's ruin our salary cap. We can't do two to three or to four more years of this. We're going to be $100 million over the cap and just, it, it's there's no way. The goal moving forward is to get back that's not to say we can't play at all in free agency, but we need to get back to the way that we did things in the past. We can be a little bit aggressive here and there, but all this like void year stuff that we've been doing, no more, no more, no more, no more, not doing it. So that's another factor. If we're bringing back Aaron Rodgers and we're going to try to continue down this path of just pushing money and voiding this and voiding that, do it, then I'm just, I'm out. I'm sorry, I'm out. We're not, we're not, we're not just continuing what we're doing of being really aggressive to go get one. No, we, we did that, and we're, we're destroying our cap, and we're going to destroy our team. I like to get back to the days where everybody that's a good player stays. There's no question about guys like Devontae, you know, guys like David Bakhtiari, guys like Elton Jenkins. The, the Packers have always been a team where those guys always stay. You never get rid of these really talented players, and unless you're on the other side of 30, then, then you start saying, well, you know, you're, you're about to collapse. We're not doing it, right? Mike Daniels and pretty much any offensive lineman. But otherwise, no, the, the high producers always stay. Now we're getting into territory where it's like, I don't know that we can. You know, you look at David Bakhtiari or uh, Devontae Adams, you know, the Packers never use things like um, the tag. We never tag players. We might have to this year. And it's all because of going down a path that we really shouldn't have gone down. And again, I get it, you know, it's sort of that whole all-in thing, because if you go all-in, then you're going to win the Super Bowl. The worst part about all that is that we did exactly what everybody wanted, and everyone's, everybody that's been begging for all-in is now pretending that we didn't go all-in. <laughs> like, I'm going to strangle you. This is why you never appease people that, that are just angry all the time, ever. If anybody starts attacking you and saying you need to do this, don't ever do what they say. Don't ever do what they say. Don't ever apologize. Don't ever give in. Ever. It's always a bad idea. You're never going to get out of it. They're never going to stop attacking you. They're just going to move the goalpost and say something else. These people are not brilliant GMs, by the way. This is what I've learned. That all they care about is, I want to win a Super Bowl. And then they just make something up in their mind about why we didn't win a Super Bowl. And that's the thing. And then you fix that thing because of all the, the screaming fans. And then you don't win a Super Bowl. And they just forget that you did that thing and move on to a new thing, right? Same with, with special teams. You bunch of idiots, we didn't win, right? So, so we're off the all-in thing. We didn't win because you didn't get a special teams coach. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, maybe. Now we did, right? So we got the all-in thing. We got all these people on all these crazy contracts. We got the specialty. We got, we got everything on your, on your wish list, right? So you're going to be happy now, right? Even if we lose, it's like, well, they did the best they could. No, that's never going to happen because at the end of the day, these are spoiled children who just want what they want. And I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to make up a new thing you didn't do. I'm either going to say you didn't go all in, regardless of what you actually did, didn't go all in enough, didn't go all in in the right way, didn't hire the right coaches, right? If, if, it's, uh, if Aaron Rodgers has another bad day, a bunch of idiots should have traded him. 
if the defense collapses, Joe Barry's a joke. That was always a garbage hire. He should have known based on the way that he did, 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 did. But the point is, they have the luxury of just waiting to find out what the problem is. They're not going to offer solutions that make sense today. And, and if they do, they're just going to f- pretend that they didn't. Right? If, if, if today the goal is that Basakia is the right hire, that's the guy. That, 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 that. And if the special teams is a joke, they're going to change their tune, pretend they never said anything and weren't all excited, not begging you to hire the guy. They're going to say that was a stupid hire. You're an idiot. Why did you hire him? We wasted all this money. You can't hire that special team. Stop appealing to the fans. And that's the one great thing about the Packers is they almost never do. I don't think this Basakia hire is about that but i do know some fans they just they do whatever the fans want some some gms i mean or or owners the fans start howling and they're like well we got to do what makes the fans happy that's stupid you know why because fans are stupid and they don't actually know and they really don't even care that they don't know they just pretend that they know so that they can have some little thing to stand on so they can scream at you you should have done this and now i'm going to scream at you and whether you do that or not the, the the only thing that matters is did you win the super bowl no well then i'm going to find a thing that you did wrong just some broad sweeping generalization, and I'm just going to trash you for it. You're never going to get credit. You're never going to be absolved unless you just win a Super Bowl. That's it. There is no scenario where you can do all the right things and then it just didn't work out, which, by the way, is the way that things happen all the time. Lots of teams can make the best. I mean, just, just think about it logically. Let's say every single team in the NFL does exactly the best possible thing that they can do at each and every turn. No wrong decisions, not one. Do 32 teams win the Super Bowl? How many teams win the Super Bowl? Oh, just one? But you're going to have 31 fan bases saying that you made a bunch of bad moves and they're going to call you off for each, and and the fans are wrong. That's the point. The fans are wrong. Don't listen to anything that the fans have to say. They don't care. They don't even believe what they're saying. They're just finding a reason to scream at you. Ignore the fans. Ignore the media. Just find the next right step based on your expertise, which is why you got hired. Ignore the howling morons. And just do whatever you got to do. Anyways, this has been a long rabbit trail. Um, by the way, the uh, this is kind of hilarious, but some completely random and and this is I'm 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 going to be honest, man. I'm I'm really loving the off season. I really am starting to appreciate the nonsense and the stupidity of it all. Um, not only just because it gives me something to talk about and some really low hanging fruit to just you know rant and rave, but I don't know. It's just this is just fun stuff. So. Some completely random, no-name nobodies that are Chicago Bears fans and have in their, um, you know, little title heading thing on Twitter, whatever you call that, that they, you know, know some people in the building or whatever nonsense, started claiming that Devontae Adams is in talks with the Chicago Bears. Now, that's, I don't believe, even legal at this point, so it's kind of behind the scenes, but basically he's talking to his old buddy Luke Getze, who is the quarterback coach, so whatever. But, I mean, they know each other, They, you know, whatever. Apparently, they've just been chatting, you know, just texting, like, hey, buddy, I miss you. How's it going? How's the family? So sad you're going to be gone. And then uh, Getze's like, you know, I know, right? I wish you could be a bear. This is going to be so sad. And he's like, I know. I wish I could be a bear, too. And it's like, are we, are we talking about something here? Or, I don't know. Are we talking about something here? I don't know, you want to get uh, lunch with, uh, maybe meet the new GM and head coach of the Chicago Bears, not talk any business or whatever, just be in town. You know, you've always really wanted to try some Chicago deep dish, because it's not like you've ever been to Chicago. Maybe you just want to try some stuff, and we just happen to walk in there, and 
sit at the same booth? Like the wait, the, uh, you know, restaurant accidentally double booked a booth and it's like, well, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing that's how the conversation went. But people with quote unquote inside knowledge. And so to be completely honest, nobody really took this seriously, right? Packer fans and even most Bears fans were kind of in the comments kind of laughing about it. And one of the things they said, and I was a little late to this party, is any minute now, Eric Lambert is going to come out with an article. I know I've seen Eric Lambert before. I don't know where, but um, it's just one of those things. You know, he writes something, it pops up once in a while. I don't know. Actually, I wonder if Eric Lambert is the the guy that said Matt LaFleur should come to Chicago. kind of feel like he is. But anyways, I don't think so. I think that guy had a small following. This guy's got like 18,000 people. 18 and a half thousand. Apparently, this guy's job is to run with every stupid, nonsensical rumor that's out there. And so Bears fans were just kind of joking that obviously this is a stupid rumor. And any minute now, he's going to put out an article that uh, Devontae Adams and the Bears are close to a, a deal. Sure enough, <laughs> right on cue, uh, at 9.40 a.m. yesterday, he comes out with an article at Sports Mockery, which, I mean, let's be completely honest about that. It is what it sounds like. Actually, what it sounds like is a satire site. Um, I did do some exploring to see if maybe that's what it is. I don't believe that's what it is. I think he just knows that this is how he's going to grow his following. For example, on these articles, you can see the view count. Eric Lambert wrote an article, David Montgomery needs to be the focal point of Luke Getze's offense. Got 2,036 views. He wrote an article, Bears are eyeing a run at Devontae Adams next month. 14,327 views. He knows what he's doing. And by the way, this is just, this is clickbait in general. This is just how it goes. I mean, this, this, is, this is the news in general, whether it's sports news or any other kind of news. This is, this is just how it goes. I mean, think about it. I, I, I used to write and uh, I understand when you're living, same with the podcast, on, on, when you're on a paid per thousand basis. And I don't know that Eric Lambert is. I don't, uh, let me see. Let me get rid of the ad blocker and just see if uh, there's any ads that pop up on here. I don't see any, so I don't know if this guy's making money or if so how. I don't know what's going on, but a lot of people are paid per thousand. And actually, <laughs> dude, I just refreshed this. It's at 28,000. Anyways, point is, I feel like somebody just went in and messed up the numbers or something. I don't know, it's very weird. Whether we're talking about... Um, Chicago sports, uh, sports mockery, whatever, or if we're talking about some major NBC, CBS sports, whatever, if you have the opportunity to get a massive spike, which by the way, a lot of you probably look at it and think that that's why I do the clickbaity stuff, by the way, which it, that is why I do it. There's never really been a spike because of that. The spikes happen because of the news itself. Right, if there's big news, people tune into the podcast because they want to hear what I have to say about the big news, regardless of what my title says. It does seem to work in in as far as the article realm, but I don't think it works at all in the because I don't think people just peruse, you know, it, it doesn't work the same. You know, people will just happen to stumble across this article and click on it. I don't think anybody stumbles across my um podcast episodes and are like, ooh, I gotta listen. Because it's it's a such a big time commitment. People have to make a conscious decision that today I want to listen to Packers podcasts and then decide if mine is in the rotation and where in the rotation. And if I'm, you know, first, they're obviously gonna listen to it. If I'm second, they're gonna listen to the first one and decide if they're burned out or not. And then, you know, that's just how podcasts tend to work. So clickbait doesn't, from my experience, work as much. It's mostly just based on the news cycle itself. 
right? If Aaron Rodgers comes back, I could title my podcast title Skippity Doodah, and I'm going to get a spike because people just want to hear. They know I'm going to talk about it. But at least in this world, and you know, I, I think in YouTube it kind of works that way because you do peruse YouTube. You do just go to YouTube and see what's what's around there. Plus, you're trying to hack the algorithm and everything else. But I don't think people really search podcasts too much. I've done it a couple times, like if I want to find a Titans podcast. But these these podcast players are so terrible when you search. Like if I search Titans, there'll be like one episode from yesterday and then one episode from six months ago. It's like I don't even have the ability to sort. I don't know about iTunes and how they work, but every other podcast player I've seen, Spotify, Google Podcasts, they're garbage. They're sorting, they, if they even have, which I don't even think any of them even have sorting from what I've seen. So, but again, the point is, these guys love this stuff. And this is why. And this is also why we should stop arguing whether or not the news is trustworthy. Because the obvious answer is no. The only thing that matters is getting more and more people here. They're in a constant battle for more attention. A constant battle. Sports news, news news, national, local, global, all the news, even if it's not a per-click thing, you're still wanting attention. Even if you're a subscription-based site and you think you're clear of that, you're not clear of that. Because it's still you still need to get people to come in there and say, it's worth it for me to pay this dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month for this subscription. And I've had subscriptions because, you know, I won't really name names, but I've had a few where it's like, this is really interesting stuff and I'm willing to pay the, the you know, $3 a month or whatever for this sub stack or whatever. And then you realize, I haven't really read anything in a long time, because they're either just not talking about Packers stuff or whatever the case, and it's like, I don't think I should be paying this every month. I don't need to. So you have to have a constant influx of articles that make you go, ooh, I want to see what that says. Ironically enough, because if I haven't upset you yet today, I'm, I, I haven't met my quota, the only people that are really free from this are people like Joe Rogan. <laughs> He's not paid per click. He got a massive contract. So he just gets to kick his feet up and go, I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about because I don't really care. Granted, that's kind of how I am anyways, but that's just because I'm stupid, as I've said. I'm too stupid to realize that I should be getting into clickbaity stuff like Eric Lambert. Anyways, all this to say, it's stupid. It's stupid nonsense. The Bears are not eyeing a run at Devontae Adams. You know why? Because the Bears know they're never going to get Devontae Adams. The only thing that they're possibly considering is if the Packers don't have the ability to tag Devontae Adams because of their contract situation, and have to just let him walk out the door, which the Packers would never do, just letting a guy like Devontae walk away for nothing. No way in the world. If that were to happen, can we make a run at him? And given their contracts or their uh, cap situation, it's probably not super likely, especially since they have so many holes elsewhere. I don't know that that's actually very prudent, right? You're not exactly one wide receiver away from being Super Bowl contenders. And all that's going to do is really drag down your ability going forward, which is what the old regime did constantly. We're going to bring in these massive contracts, which completely stifle our ability to do anything. And we're going to use massive amounts of draft capital to do it. So we can't draft and we can't really go out and do big splash things in free agency because we did those couple big splash things over here. And so we're out of money. We have no draft picks and we have to win with what we have and we can't. And we just keep getting worse every year, but yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So this is all very obviously fake. Um, and it's, it's filled with 
fake quotes. For example, a source, a source reached out to SM recently with an unexpected bit of information. There is a belief the Bears will see if they can make a play for Adams next month when the offseason begins. The driving force behind this movement is new offensive coordinator Luke Getze. He worked with Adams for years in Green Bay, and the two have built a strong relationship, enough to where the coach made the receiver his confidant. Quote, Getze and Devontae are extremely close. Devontae was the very first person Luke told about getting the OC job in Chicago before even Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, or Mark Murphy. That should tell you their relationship. Who said that quote? This fake person who jumped in uh, Eric Lambert's DMs because they know Eric Lambert is a goofball who's going to run with everything. In fact, this would not be a bad idea. I don't know if anybody has the ability, the time, the patience to build up a uh, Chicago Bears account and just try to build it up and then consider yourself like a fake insider and just DM this guy and be like, dude, I got this. I got this scoop, man. Or just, you know, we can mess with like Bears accounts, see if they'd be willing to do it. You can even offer them a little scratch. I mean, we could raise money and just be like, hey, man, you want to you want to just have some fun? I'll, I'll, I'll give you like 20 bucks. DM Lambert and say that uh, Rogers is going to announce tomorrow that he's leaving. And he's going to write a whole article about it, and he's going to look stupid, and it'll be funny. But that's a good bit of information. Um, if nothing else that you've learned from this little interaction we've had here, is that if you see an article from Eric Lambert, just immediately disregard it. Just immediately disregard it. Because his goal is to, on one hand, brag about his bona fides, educated to be a writer at the prestigious Columbia College in Chicago. Eric has spent the past 10 years covering the Chicago Bears but then also build a following by just running with every stupid rumor because that's how you get clicks. Telling you, man, if I ever have the ability to um, do this thing full-time, I am going to take a run at that whole fake insider thing. Who knows? Maybe I'll take a run, make a run at being a real insider. I don't know. And along the way, if I don't actually, if I just run into dead ends, I'll just kind of fake it. Hey, uh, so-and-so, you want to make a comment? No, I don't. All right, well, I'm going to write an article that you did anyways. <laughs> And just to make sure you don't call me out about it, I'm just not going to use your name. Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break here? We'll come back and look at a couple of the things that I've been working on. Once again, don't forget about Drew and his seizure service dog. He also, by the way, um, and I don't know exactly what it is, but if you'd like to donate to him and don't want to donate to his GoFundMe, he does have Cash App, and you can go directly to that. That would be a different way of doing it rather than me setting something up and having to manage that, which is just going to be a disaster anyways. So uh, just, you know, reach out to him at Draft Hobbyist and just be like, hey, I'd like to give you a couple bucks. If I could, that'd be great. Don't want to use GoFundMe. By the way, I, I, just, I just went over to Twitter just because, you know, I'm, I use that link or whatever. And then I went back home. The very top thing here, Michael John, which, by the way, I retweeted the tweet immediately after this, just kind of goofing around with the guy. But 13 hours ago, he wrote, I'm going to start making up Bears rumors and see if Lambert writes an article on it. So... People are already beating me to this. His, his very next tweet is, I'm hearing that Aaron Rodgers is very interested in working with Luke Getze in Chicago. Internal discussions with the Bears have them discussing what it would take to get Rodgers from Green Bay. Again, obviously that's nonsense. He knew it was nonsense when he wrote it. He's just trying to get Lambert to write stuff. Anyways, also do not forget about amodernfrontier.com. Use promo code MEATPACKER. One word, all caps, $25 off on your um, box of meat. You can find on his website, one-eighth grass-fed beef box, a butcher's dozen ground beef, and one-quarter pastured pork box. If you have any questions, you can head over there and feel free to reach out. He'll respond to you. But uh, anyways, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Still the Packernet Podcast. How you doing? So while I was taking my uh, my little break thing, you know, um, where I actually take a break when I don't need to, I was uh, perusing around here on the old Twitters and Uber Facts popped up. And it says, you begin forming your strongest musical memories around the age of 14. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, when I was 14, like, dude, I don't care about music. So I kind of did it, some math in my head, and I was like, I don't know, what is it, around 1999? And it was a bunch of trash. And I'm like, this is stupid. And then I thought about it, I'm like, well, no, it would be 2000. Um, it would be around 2000. and <laughs> Toys. But I don't turn... 14 until like November of 2000. So it's really more like 2001. So I'm like, all right, let me find out what songs are in 2001. And the top one says, uh, Kylie Minogu can't get you out of my head. And I'm like, I don't even know what that song is. And then I play it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know that song. And then I'm looking at some of this other stuff and I'm like, dude, you're not lying. You're not lying at all. I think they might be off by like a year or so, but some of these songs are songs that stick with me. I think I've even talked about it on the podcast, a couple of the songs, and this is one of them. And when I saw this, I'm like, oh, dude, there's something to it. For some reason, I remember being in high school, I remember this song and a couple other songs. In fact, I see it on the list, number six. That would pop up, and it just, for some reason, like every, that was the only thing that was exciting in high school about waking up in the morning is getting that giant bowl of cereal and hoping one of these songs popped up. And I don't know if it was exactly this song or it might have been a different one, but we're, we're in the right era. Again, I think maybe like 15, 16-ish for me, but, you know, uh, stuff like that just kind of burned into my head. So I would encourage you 
to uh, figure out, I'm, I'm just using playback.fm forward slash charts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, actually, let me look here. What is it? Uh, forward slash charts slash top 100 songs slash, and then just type in the year. I don't know. You can find it. You can figure it out. But there's definitely some that are uh, pretty burned into my head without, you know, naming names or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. You know. Just just certain things that I haven't heard in a long time kind of bring you back. It's good times, man. 14 years old, apparently, is when, um, you know, when music is kind of a big deal. Music's always been kind of a big deal, but, um, you know. Anyways, check it out. Let me know if you agree with that assessment. And thank you for indulging me as I continue to find ways to play with my new toy, because um, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't even try to make it sound like a swear. That's you uh, pretty cool. All right, so I wanted to to look at a thing here. Um, the Athletic wrote an article: Were the all-in Super Bowl Bengals free agency ranks an NFL hiring fix and a Packers problem? It's just a article grab bag full of stuff here. But if you scroll down and you look at it, they have a percentage of special team snaps by starters for all the uh, playoff teams. And they have a list of 14 teams that were in the playoffs and how many of their starters played on special teams. Now, this is very interesting information. I don't know exactly how they went about doing this. I will let you know how I did it because I'm going to do this myself and we're going to talk about it. But however they went about coming to these conclusions... The bottom line is the Green Bay Packers were dead last. 17.2% of their starters were on special teams. Number one, the Las Vegas Raiders, 319 So this is going to be kind of an interesting thing because obviously the head coach is going to have some say in that. I don't think Rich Bisaccia is just going to say, hey, I'm taking all your starters because Matt LaFleur is going to be like, look, dude, you need to chill. But there clearly is a different philosophy with Rich Bisaccia. Well, or, or maybe that's just what happens when your special teams coach becomes the head coach. <laughs> a guy that's been like the special teams guy since 1983 suddenly has complete control of the roster. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. And in fact, that's a really big number. 32% basically for the Raiders. Second place was the Steelers at 26.6%. The average was 22.6%. Um and again, the Packers are down here at 17.2, Dallas Cowboys 17.3. Not surprisingly, Mike McCarthy is the coach over there, which just goes to show the general Packers philosophy since forever has been, we're not putting these guys on special teams. But anyways, I decided I didn't really know, you know, I, I can't see the work that they did. I wanted to do it myself and kind of do it in a way that made sense to me. So I did. And I didn't really want to spend all day doing it. So I just... Did uh, one? Th- I just picked one thing that I wanted to run through and see what it looked like. So what I did is I went over to PFF. I said, who had the best special teams unit? It doesn't really matter if they're actually the best or not. The point is they're going to be good. I could, you know, why didn't you use DVOA? Because I don't care that much. It's, it's going to be a good unit. So I picked the Saints, and it was very simple. I looked at wide receiver one, two, and three, running backs one and two, tight ends one and two, Left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, DT, one, two, three, edge rusher, one and two, linebacker, one and two, cornerback, one, two, three, and safety, one and two. There's some question as to who exactly these guys are due to injuries, especially along the offensive line and all that, but I made it an educated guess because, again, this isn't an exact science. I just want a general overview of things. 
I want to know how many snaps these guys took. And no, I didn't put quarterback on there for obvious reasons. But I want to go through that and compare it to the Packers. I didn't write their names here, so if you don't know who the one, two, and three are, it doesn't really matter. We'll we'll just it'll be whatever. But here's the conclusions I came to. Ready? Wide receiver one. Obviously, we're talking about Devontae. And by the way, this is obviously going to be different because the Saints wide receiver one is not Devontae Adams. So the although the numbers really aren't that different, you could understand why in some circumstances it's going to be a little bit different. Right? They have a horrifically bad group of defensive tackles. We have Kenny Clark. So our DT1 compared to their DT1, their guy is completely expendable. Our guy is absolutely not. Again, not drastically different numbers, but you know, different circumstances. But again, still just looking at generalities here. Wide receiver one for the Saints uh, guy, he played 10 snaps on special teams. Our guy did six. By the way, some of this has everything to do with what they're being asked to do. So for example, if we're talking hands team, it's possible that Devontae is just on the hands team and the Saints did it 10 times and we did it six times. Same with when you look at offensive linemen. Basically, all the offensive linemen do is they go out there for field goal kicks. So it's really just a matter of how many times they kicked a field goal compared to how many times we kicked a field goal. Anyways, continuing on. Wide receiver two. Their wide receiver two was out there once. Ours, 23 times. Wide receiver three, their guy was out there 180 times. Ours was out there one. So that's one area where it's like, well, they use their guy more than... That's because their number three is Ty Montgomery. He's basically a special teams guy. But again, point Saints. Running back one. Their RB1 was on special teams four times, ours three times. Their RB2, zero times, ours 91 times. Their tight end one, 56 times, ours zero. In this case, I'm using snap counts to determine who's the number one, two, three. Our tight end one in this case is Mercedes Lewis. He was not used on special teams. That should not surprise anybody. I mean, I, I guess it could. I mean, he could be out there in field goals blocking and whatnot, but I don't want him running around up and down the field. Tight end two. Their guy, 113 times. Ours, 141. Left tackle, 68 compared to 89. Left guard, 68 to 89. Again, this is just kind of down the line. The only big difference here is our right tackle, Billy Turner, never was out there. And I don't know why. DT1, their guy, 49 times. Kenny Clark, three times. DT2, 49 times for the Saints, 136 times for our DT2. DT3, their guy, two times. Our guy, 51 times. Edge one, edge one, their guy 73 times, ours 13 times. Edge two, their guy 141 times, ours nine. Uh, LB one, there's six, ours eight. Uh, LB two, there's three, ours 125, because he's a special teams guy. Cornerback one, their guy four times, ours 48. CB two, their guy 144 times, ours 38. CB three, their guy 76, ours 90. Uh, safety one, 66 compared to 15, safety two, three compared to 18. Overall, of these starters that I chose to pick, they had 1,234 snaps, ours was 1,100. I really don't see a drastic difference here. There was a couple other observations that I made. Uh, One of them was to highlight how many of these guys were actually any good, because the question is, well, you should be using starters, but we, what we ultimately want is good football players. So the question really is, um, how often do you have good football players and actually utilize them? They had five um, quality players on their starters. All five of those guys played significant amount of snaps with the exception of maybe their CB3. But 180, 113, 141, 144, and 76. So bottom line is they did have a decent amount of starters out there. And at the very least, the, the starters that are good at special teams, they, they were out there a lot. 
we had two of our starters that played well. So of all these guys that I listed, none of them really graded out well. LB1, which is Devondre Campbell, and CB3, who is Razul Douglas. Devondre Campbell was on the field eight times, Razul Douglas 90 times. So we kind of used Razul a decent amount. And really, he's only CB3 because of his limited time in Green Bay. If he had played the entire season here, he probably would have been CB1, maybe CB2. So if you look at it, you say, well, they had um, five high-quality starters playing. We only had two. Well, that's because we just have less starters that are good at football. If you look at how many starters they had that were good compared to their overall amount of players that they had good, 35% of their really good players are starters. For the Packers, it's 33% because we just don't have good players on special teams, period, whether they're starters or not starters. So the only real summary I can I can glean from this isn't really so much that they need to start more starters because, again, our starters are not very good. It's the fact that they need better players and a little bit that when you have good players, if you want to have a better special teams, you need, you need to have them play more. That would mean if you have a guy like Devondre Campbell, who's really, really good on special teams, you need to at least consider putting him out there more than eight times. And maybe for a guy like Razul Douglas, again, I don't really know that we should, especially if he's like CB1 for your team, put him out there more. But that's the thing. You know, that's that's a big difference between the Saints and the um, Packers. And maybe they got lucky because they didn't have any number ones, right? They're wide receiver three, tight end two, edge two, although that's that's a pretty big risk. They use their edge rushers. They're, they're number one edge rusher 73 times. They're number two edge rusher 141 times. That's a pretty high risk thing to be putting those guys out there. But also their, their CB2, which is a big deal, 144 snaps. Even their CB3 was 76. So two of their top three corners, the only guy they shielded was Marshawn Lattimore. And they're like, yeah, you're not going out there. And he didn't, you know, I, 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 he didn't grade well, but he only had four snaps. So how would you know? But th- those are the only really two big takeaways. It's not that they really didn't start a lot of starters. I mean, it, it was less, but who do you want to play more? You want more Alan Lazard out there? He didn't grade out very well. Do you want Rashawn Gary to play more? I kind of don't. And by the way, the fact that Devondre Campbell graded out well doesn't mean anything because it was only eight snaps. So that you can look at that two ways. You could say he should have played more because he only had eight snaps, or you could say we don't even know if he was good because it was only eight snaps. It's too small of a sample size to know. Maybe if he plays 145 snaps, you realize he's garbage, and now we just put him at risk for nothing. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting article here from uh, The Athletic where they just look at general numbers and imply, and, and that's the problem with a lot of these kinds of statistics and numbers, is that it just implies things. You know, if you look at the Raiders, 32%, the Packers, 17%. The Packers had the worst special teams unit in football. Therefore, you can just put the two together. Uh, Correlation means causation, obviously. So 17.2% is the reason that they were bad. Well, there's some further questions. If they played more starters, would they be a better special teams unit? I would assume maybe a little bit, but when you look at it from a cost-benefit standpoint, is it really worth it? You would first have to prove that the starters are really good on special teams and that the Packers were choosing not to use them despite the fact that they were really good. And again, I went through the list. Every single person on here, with the exception of Mercedes Lewis, took at least one snap on special teams. Everybody did. Two of them out of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 out of 24 players... 23 that actually played, two of them graded out well. One of them only took eight snaps, so who knows? Now, granted, you could also say Devontae only took took six, so he might be good. Um, I think MVS was at wide receiver three, so he might have been good. We wouldn't know. Aaron Jones might be good. We wouldn't know. Mercedes Lewis might be good. We wouldn't know. A lot of these guys didn't get opportunities, so maybe that would, you know, Billy Turner, again, he probably should have been out there. Maybe Kenny would be great on special teams. Don't know. Rashawn and Preston. 
maybe. Saints got a gem out of that group. But again, I, I, I don't think there's really a ton, and, and I don't think that's a blanket answer that you can put out there. Just like hiring Basachi is not a blanket answer. Playing more starters isn't a blanket answer. It's probably something you're going to have to commit to, but you also have to be smart about it. It's not just a simple matter of, well, if you just play more starters, then we're better. But you got to identify which ones are good, how good are they, and how willing are we to risk losing them on a punt return as opposed to putting somebody else in that spot. How critical are they to that position? Anyways, I want to end with the uh, mock draft of the day. This time it is um, NFL media draft analyst Lance Zerline over at NFL.com. He did his first mock draft of the season. He's got two trades, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Again, my goal is to do a mock draft today. But with the 28th pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers select N'Kobe Dean, linebacker, Georgia. Uh, Not a very lengthy description here, but he says the selection of Dean could be a no-brainer if Devondre Campbell departs in free agency. Dean is undersized, but has the speed to fly around the field and make a lot of plays. Um, First of all, I don't necessarily think N'Kobe Dean is um, a Devondre Campbell replacement. I mean, if we just mean it in the sense of we need a new linebacker and this is a new linebacker done deal, then fine. He has George Karloftis going at pick 30. That seems fake. (laughs) Okay. Matt Corral, by the way, went one pick sooner. I would be having a heart attack. It's not going to happen. I'm just saying. I, I would be sitting here going, dude, if we get Matt Corral, it's going to be it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be awful. But also, hey, we got we got my guy. By the way, if you're interested, I did a little thing on Twitter yesterday. Um, I was just very interested in doing this, so I decided to do it. Spent a lot of time working on it. I did comps, NFL draft comps for every single player that uh, potentially isn't coming back. Maybe there's some that. I could have added to the list, but um, I've got comps for Devonte, MVS, EQ, Lazard, Cobb, Tunyon, Mercedes, Daphne, Lucas Patrick, Dennis Kelly, Billy Turner, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, Preston Z, Whitney Merciless, Campbell, Burks, Barnes, Razul, King, Chandon, and Amos. I did not put Nakobe Dean for anybody at linebacker. Instead, Campbell and Burks, who are basically built the exact same with a very similar 40 time, I put Devin Lloyd as the replacement. And for Barnes, I had Christian Harris out of Alabama. Now, Devin Lloyd is a really, this isn't really based on how good they are. In other words, a he's going to be, Devin Lloyd is a Campbell replacement because he's going to be that good. And Christian Harris is a, although maybe that kind of lines up. Because Devin Lloyd is a pretty good linebacker. And I think Christian Harris is quite bad at football. But anyways, if, if you're generally interested in that and maybe just looking for something to kind of play around with and people to kind of explore, um, this would be kind of the way to do it. But it's just sort of a reference sheet. If you're looking at it going, dude, I uh, I think MVS is gone, and I wonder who we can get that is going to be kind of a replacement for that. I've got, for example, Dejeon Dixon, wide receiver out of Nicole State University. Literally never heard of it before, but there you go. It's a Division I school, but uh, he's got a sixth-round projection. But again, something to kind of dig into, go over to YouTube, whatever, see if you can find some tape on the guy, go watch him. He's actually my comp for both EQ and MVS. I think I had him for MVS, but um, every comp that I could find for EQ, uh, Dejan Dixon was actually a better comp. So I'm like, I'm just going to do him for both. Basically just a really tall guy with some wheels. And considering it's so unbelievably hard to find anybody that matches the profile of a guy like, um, MVS or EQ, he's, he's going to be the guy for both. But anyways, I'm going to be using it for that, for that reason. Um, just kind of looking at these particular prospects. It's just a way to, again, if you're just looking for a direction to go, this puts you in a direction. But um, for Devontae, I've got David Bell, 
MVS and EQ is Dejan Dixon. Alan Lazard, I got Traylon Burks. For Randall Cobb, I've got Sky Moore. For Tunyon, uh, Braden Galloway, Mercedes Lewis, Charlie Kohler. Dominique Daphner is Sean Dykes. Lucas Patrick, Donovan West, Dennis Kelly, Trevor Penning. Billy Turner, Nicholas Petit Frere. Uh, for Dean Lowry, I have Jordan Jackson. Tyler Lancaster is Fidarius Mathis. Kingsley Kiki is Perry and Winfrey. Preston Smith, Jermaine Johnson, Zadarius, Zachary Carter, Whitney Merciless, My J. Sanders. Um, for Campbell and Burks, I got Devin Lloyd. For Chris Barnes, I have Christian Harris. For Razul Douglas, I have Martin Emerson. For uh, Kevin King, I have Tariq Woolen. For Chandon Sullivan, I have Kikala Kaniho. And for Adrian Amos, I have Brian Cook. So. Anyways, I think I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one and goodbye. Goodbye.